you for listening. Thank you for listening. To the Outstanding Ohioans. Outstanding Ohioans. To the Outstanding Ohioans. To the Outstanding Ohioans. Podcast. Podcast. Hosted by my daddy. Hosted by my daddy. Hello, thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioans show. My name is Ron Silico. This is episode 22, and today I have the privilege of interviewing Susan Guy, who has had a long and distinguished career in another profession that I'm sure she'll talk about, but she is most recently the author of Mobsters, Madams, and Murder in Steubenville, Ohio. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ron. Thank you for having me on. Okay. Before we before we get into the book, Susan, which is why I, I first came across your name and, and your work that you're doing, can you give a little background for the listeners where you grew up? Who were some of your role models in life? Well, I was I was born in Steubenville, Ohio, and raised in Wintersville, which um, is at the East Corporation or the West Corporation limits of Steubenville, and I grew up with a police captain father. He was the captain for Wintersville, and he was my idol. And I followed in his footsteps and became a part-time police officer for Cross Creek Township in Jefferson County. And I worked there for 15 years, uh, attaining the rank of sergeant. Then when I... uh, in 1994, I started working for the state of Ohio at the Belmont Correctional Institution, and um, I've been there ever since as a corrections officer. Mm-hmm. That, that is a uh, state prison, Ohio State Prison. Okay. So, so growing up, your father was your idol. Can you tell, share with the audience what, what your family was like and what were some of the interests that you had as a family? Um, well, I mean, I, oh, I don't know how to, how to word that. wasn't expecting that. Um, well, usually I was home with my mom. My dad worked two jobs, so mm-hmm. he, he was rarely home. And she and I would watch TV, and one of my shows I liked was um, The Untouchables with Elliot Ness. Hmm. And that that had to do with prohibition, mm-hmm. and that's probably why I wrote this book. One reason because I was into that time period. I always liked the twenties and thirties, and that with uh, the fact that I had a law enforcement background, that was sort of a natural. Mm-hmm. I grew up. Um, with a whole collection of Nancy Drew mystery books. So. Okay. Now, was there, what, whether it was from your father, from, from some other locals, or in school, was there something that, were, can you remember the time where you first heard about the mob activity in Steubenville and how you felt when you heard about that? Well, when I grew up, I mean, I, the popular saying around Jefferson County, which is the county where Steubenville is the county seat, mm-hmm. um, if you ever wanted to commit a murder, just go to Jefferson County. 
was the thing. And it's like, what, you know, what's that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, growing up, I, I remember a few murders, but we never had had that many. So until I started digging in uh, old newspapers and finding these stories, I never knew what it meant until then. And then I started putting all the stories together that I found. And it interested me so much, I figured it would interest other people, too, because I don't think anybody, when that when they heard that, that saying, really knew what it meant. Hmm. So, and we, there, there was always the mention of uh, two particular guys that were supposedly the godfathers of Steubenville. Hmm. I never really knew much about them. Mm-hmm. And they they died in the eighties, but um, yeah, I I started finding out about them once I started digging in the the newspaper. So it all started gelling together. And, and before you wrote the book, how how long did you do your research and and look into old newspapers and and that kind of thing? Well, I'm I'm a genealogist, so I'm always digging in newspapers, <laughs> but um. I think it was in 2007, I joined a writing class with my best friend who's also a genealogist. And once we completed the writing class, we liked that group so much, we all ended up sticking together. And we um, created a group called the Tri-State Writer Society. So it was during one of those meetings of the Tri-State Writer Society that um, the leader of our group asked me to write a story on prostitution in Water Street in Steubenville because we were going to meet in a couple months at the Jefferson County Historical Museum. And she thought it would be nice if we all wrote stories uh, for the museum board to draw them into our meeting and make it interesting for them. So my topic was the prostitution, and that's when I started digging into the newspapers. And I came up with this story on Jenny Good, a madam in 1900 in Steubenville that was always getting in trouble. And she owned the Ohio Valley House, or she ran the Ohio Valley House, which was a um, prostitution resort on Water Street. And once I read that story to the museum board, they all were interested in it, and they started telling stories of things they knew on Water Street back in their day, and um, and it just went from there. I, I, I knew I had something when I saw their faces light up, and they got really into the subject matter. So I just, I, for about, well, it only took me like three or four months to gather all the the stuff for the book, the old newspaper clippings, and I used Ancestry.com, old city directories, anything that will give me more background on these people. And um, I made the book. What? And it, uh, the, the meeting where I read this short story about Jenny Good was in May 2013, and by May 2014, 
the book was available for pre-order on Amazon.com. Mm. And um, I think it was like it was about eight months after I had almost gotten the book completed, I emailed the History Press and asked them if they would consider my book. And a couple of days later, they sent me a book proposal, book proposal to fill out. And then they sent me a contract. They said, we want the book. So, wow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed that that happened so fast. Mm-hmm. So coming across your story, the, the first question I thought of is, you know, obviously the, the American public's been fascinated with the mafia for, for a long time in, in different levels of interest. When I when I when I came across your book, my first thought was, why did the mafia pick Steubenville? What 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 was the appeal of that location? It's not it's not that the mafia picked Steubenville. Okay. Um, the mafia really came about in America due to prohibition mm-hmm. because people, you know, people gained power with a bootleg and, and the stronger ones took over and had the power. Mm-hmm. But um, Steubenville's in, in a tri-state area with the Ohio River running along along its banks. You know, it's Steubenville sits on the banks of the Ohio. And, uh, you know, it's in close proximity to Pittsburgh, Youngstown, Cleveland, mm-hmm. Canton, Wheeling. You know, all that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. And Steubenville's mob is supposed to have Youngstown Pittsburgh ties. I see. Yeah. So. So, the, so the so they come into prominence during Prohibition. Yeah. What what were what were the businesses that they got involved with, and how did they get the law enforcement? of Steubenville to comply with with their activity? Well, supposedly there, supposedly there were a lot of corrupt police officers back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've, the book is comprised of short stories of different people, and it starts out in 1900, so it's before Prohibition. Okay. And it just gives you a background before Prohibition, some of the different stories, some of the colorful characters. And then when it gets into prohibition being enacted, then a lot of those stories start tying together and the people start tying together. And, and you can like, sort of see connections. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's a lot of stories of prohibition officers being killed. And that's why Steubenville got the reputation as Little Chicago in 1922, Jefferson County, Ohio not just Steubenville, but all of Jefferson County, led the nation in prohibition officer murders. And most of the prohibition officer murders are unsolved to this day. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you read some of the stories, you can put together who probably did the murders. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you, when you were writing this book... 
I, I know, I know. Reading, you want people to read the book, but who were what were the names of some of the main characters, and and what were some of the? I know within the mafia, there's typically power struggles where where leader where, where the leaders come and go. Who who were some of the main characters in Steubenville at I that time? I, well. I don't know if I really call it the mafia in here. Okay. It's just two of the most powerful players were were Jimmy Tripodi and Cosmo Quatrone. I mean, the, the whole county, you know, knows those names. Mm-hmm. And they were just powerful in the prohibition. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I mean, those would be the two main people, but... Um, I talk mainly about the prohibition officers. I just want people to to um, appreciate what they did during that time because when they went out to arrest someone, I mean, they, they were arresting their friends. Mm-hmm. And then friends turn on friends. I mean, bootlegging and, and all that money, you know. It's going to make people turn on each other. Mm-hmm. It was just a sad time. I mean, pe- people romanticized that time in the 20s, but um, it was very, very sad for the United States. Prohibition was supposed to bring bring um, you know the Women's Christian Temperance Union. They wanted prohibition so they can bring back family values because they they um, thought booze, you know, was the downfall of the American family. So mm-hmm. prohibition was to give hope, to bring peace and family values back, and it did the exact opposite. It just made crime rise and, you know, the crime rate, murders, out of control. and mm-hmm. A very, very sad time between 1920 and 1933 when prohibition was in. Mm-hmm. What was the was the mood of the of the citizens in Steubenville and Jefferson County one of fear? Well, yeah. If you, I mean, if you lived in within that, you know, if you were out there drinking and buying bootleg liquor, mm-hmm. you know, there were citizens that were involved in it you know, the women, Women's Christian Temperance Movement, it, they had 600 members for the Women's Christian Temperance Movement mm-hmm. that were trying to stop the sale of liquor, you know. Mm-hmm. What, is, there a, is, is there a story you can share from the book? You said it's a collection of short stories. Is, is there one short that... Story. Yeah, is there one you can share with the audience? Um... I always tell this one when I do the book signings. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I get um, I, there's a uh, I have a picture of an unmarked grave in Union Cemetery in Steubenville, and I tell people this this unmarked grave contains the body of a man who did nothing remarkable in his life. His name was Arthur B. Remley. He was a Pennsylvania Railroad worker, and he had only lived in Steubenville a couple years with his wife. 
and he didn't even die violently. He died of uh, natural causes from disease. But the minute that they started throwing the dirt on his grave, something happened that made his funeral front page news in the Herald Star. And you'll have to read my book to find out <laughs> what that was. Wow. But it, but it ties in with my book. Okay. He wasn't a criminal. He wasn't a cop. He wasn't a prohibition officer. But something happened to make him front page news the minute the dirt started going on his coffin. Hmm. So you mentioned that your book focuses on prohibition officers a lot trying to do their job. What Could you walk the audience through what the process was in terms of getting a directive about about maybe a speakeasy or one of, one of those illegal activities and, and what the process was to, to go and make the arrest? Well, there wasn't too much to the process, but mm -hmm. they were... They were sworn in to go and bust up stills and confiscate liquor. And um, sometimes they did it by highly questionable means. Mm -hmm. And uh, they pick somebody off and get shot for it. Or they would be on the take, you know. Mm -hmm. A lot of them were, were crooked. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, there's a few stories in there where they would just go into a house and and ransack it looking for supposed liquor that they were told about. Sometimes it didn't turn out too good. Mm -hmm. And they weren't, you know, they weren't trained very well. Mm -hmm. And they would go into the pool halls where they used to hang out before they were prohibition officers. They would go in there and try to arrest their old buddy for bootleg liquor and wouldn't turn out so well. Now, were these officers, were these FBI agents? No, no, they were, they were called dry officers, prohibition okay. officers. Okay. And, um, uh, they had a, they had a badge. This was before the FBI. They worked at one point for the Treasury, Department of Treasury. Okay. I had a whole history on that. I'm gonna, I'll goof it up if I try to say any more about it. Mm -hmm. But then, it, and I think after the treasure, they went to the work for the Eternal Revenue Service. Okay. Or vice versa. But um, then later on, it would become the Department of Justice. So. Mm -hmm. Is is there a way that you can paint a picture of what? Water Street in Steubenville looked like during this time period? Was there a lot of bustling activity? What was the population at the time? Yes, I, I, I believe the population at the time was 36,000, which okay. is nowhere near that now. Okay. But um, they, it, it, it was just such a, um, a bustling place that um, people would come from Pittsburgh. Men, men would get their paychecks and jump on the trolley or the train and come down to Steubenville and blow their paychecks on Water Street in the saloons and uh, with the prostitutes, mm -hmm. gambling. I mean, 
gambling was uh, what it was known for. Okay. And um, I lost my train of thought here. <laughs> um, but anyway, we have, uh, girls would run away to come to Water Street, and their dads would know right where to come and look for them. Hmm. And, yeah, there would be articles in the newspaper where fathers would be seen dragging their daughters out of the houses there, and um, white slavery was going on there quite frequently. Hmm. You've, you've been in that area your whole life, Susan. What what was Steubenville like before Prohibition, and what were the effects on the community during and after Prohibition that have that have lasted to this day? Well, uh, I I don't know. That's a I'm not that old, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it was like before Prohibition. I know that that. Steubenville uh, is very historical. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it, it was like the gateway to the West. Right. People would come, you know, would make their way west. A lot of people would stop there. Mm -hmm. um, right before Prohibition, they, you know, people immigrated to Steubenville from Europe to work at Wheeling Steel. And, um, you know, that's that's what what the main income was back then. And that was, you know, Wheeling Steel was around for a long time afterwards. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now there's, now Water Street's empty. There's no houses there anymore. There's one house there. Okay. And in, in this illicit activity, do you think that helped play a role in the, in the downfall of Steubenville, so to speak? No, I don't, I don't think so. No. I don't believe so. Okay. Prohibition, no. Okay. Was was it more related to the steel mill in the area? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. And do have you do you go to schools at all and, and talk about this topic with with older school school children that are interested? I, in have, it? I haven't been to any schools yet. No. Okay. Now it's um, mostly libraries, and um, I've been to the Buckeye Book Festival in Worcester. Mm -hmm. um, genealogy, historical societies, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a very fascinating topic. What what. Something I'm very interested in is to write a book, the amount of research that it takes, and, and then just the ability to put it together. How did this book change you as a person? Um, I, I don't really think it's changed me. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I just want to collect more and more stories. I mean, there's so many more to tell. Um, I, I was sort of afraid to write it. I didn't know how people would take it because some people just want the past to be dead and, dead and buried. Mm -hmm. But that really hasn't been the case. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 
something that people really wanted to know, and I've gotten a lot of really great feedback on it. Mm -hmm. And I just really would like people to be aware of how many prohibition officers died in the line of duty. And mm -hmm. like I've I've said in a couple of my speak outs that um you know, like when law enforcement when they honor fallen law enforcement officers, they leave out prohibition officers. They've they're like forgotten. Hmm. And I just think we should really appreciate what they did back then. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not to mention, I have quite a few stories in here of fallen Steubenville police officers mm -hmm. from that era. Hmm. And also, the um, prohibition gave rise to the Ku Klux Klan in the area. I address that in the book. Okay. Also, okay. There, there was a point in time where um, the residents living in Steubenville, if they stood in the middle of downtown, I think it was in 1923, they saw three burning crosses across the river in West Virginia. They were placed in, at, on three specific um, hilltops. It could be plainly seen in Steubenville. And um, that whole thing is addressed in the book. Hmm. And, so, and you mentioned you're still continuing to collect stories. Do you have another project in the works? Yes. Okay. Yeah, there'll be, there'll be another um, a sequel to this. And okay. then um, the History Press wants me to write a book on one crime in Steubenville for a series that they do okay. called the Mur Murder and Mayhem series. Okay. So I've done all the research on that. Okay. I just have to get to writing it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm looking forward to, to reading the the first book. I've I've got it on order from the library right now. So I'm, I'm waiting to get that. And then uh, I'm looking forward to learning more about the second book as it comes out. Uh, for, for folks I want to connect with you, how can they do that, Susan? Um, I have a website, www.mobstersmadamsmurder.com, and it would have... Uh, a schedule where my book signings will be and it tells you some something about the book. I have some little teasers in there to read okay. about different stories like the one on Arthur B. Remley. Okay. And um, I also have a Mobsters, Mads, and Murder in Steubenville, Ohio Facebook page. Okay. And uh, if anybody has any questions, they can email me at susanguy112 at gmail.com. Okay. And I know we talked about this earlier. You've, you've been speaking at a lot of events. Do you have any upcoming events that you'll be speaking at, talking about the book? Um, yes, I'll be, well, I'll be speaking at my uh, Daughters in the American Revolution meeting in March. That's, of course, that's a closed meeting for mm -hmm. my 
DAR group, but um, I'll be speaking at the Tiltonsville Library in Jefferson County on March 31st. And I'll be speaking at the Jefferson Township Historical Society in Washington County, Pennsylvania on April 18th. And I will be at the Ohioana Book Festival at the Columbus Sheridan in Columbus, Ohio on April 25th. That's a Saturday. Okay. And I, that's all I can remember for the moment. Okay. Great. Well, I'll, I'll put the, I'll, I'll put the, all those pieces of information in the show notes so the audience can reach out to, to you if they wish. Okay. The, the last question I always ask folks, Susan, is this this book and the, the books to follow is a significant contribution to the history of Steubenville, Jackson, Jefferson County. What legacy do you, are you hoping to leave behind with this work? Um, well, Steubenville is, um, they have a revitalization committee there, Steubenville Revitalization Group, and um, they've already used a part of the rabbi's speech in one of their shop windows downtown, and and it was about citizens coming together, you know, to make their city strong and a, a great place to live, and, and I was happy that they, somebody saw that speech and did that, you know. That's what I wanted. I wanted to bring all that past that everybody was afraid to talk about and speak about, just get it out of the way so everybody can move forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it happened. It is a part of history, and people should embrace it and then move on. And... uh I, I am proud of the book. I mean, it turned out exactly the way I wanted it to. People seem to like it, and I don't think I've made anybody mad by it. That was my major fear, but mm-hmm. uh, it's worked out pretty good so far. So I'm, that's that's about it. I'm just I'm just proud to have done it, and it's my first book, <laughs> and it's just. Uh, going crazy. <laughs> well, that's, that's great. And, and you should be proud of it. So many people write books and don't, and, and don't have near the success that you've had in, in getting it published quickly and, and, and people selling it. So you've, you've definitely, you definitely did hit the mark on that and it's resonating with people. So congratulations on that. That's a terrific accomplishment. Yeah. Thank you. And I've had a lot of, um, you know, I'm, I'm the public relations director for our Tri-State Writers Society, and um, I'm, you know, blessed to be able to try to help people that come into the group. You know, a lot of people are asking questions, and uh, so that's that's another way okay. that it's been great. If it hadn't been for that group and uh, the leader of our group, Karen, uh, Karen Majors Garrison, if she had not had me do that story, this may never have happened. So I wanted to thank her. Yeah, that's terrific. So, that's that's yeah. great. Okay. Right, well, Susan, thank you for 
Thank you for joining us on the show today. We really appreciate the time. And for the audience, we will have all the information that Susan shared about how to connect with her, how to get the book on the show notes. Susan, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Vaughn. I appreciate the opportunity to do this. Okay. And I hope I wasn't too boring. No, no, this is great. And sign off. Thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioan Show, Episode 22, interview with author Susan Guy. Please refer to the show notes to get information on how to connect with Susan and order her book. Please also take the time to go to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a rating for the show, which will help spread the word about about the program and, and get more people listening. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great day.